0: You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us Sundays at 10 a.m. in person or online, or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. In this podcast, we're going through the books 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John with Linda Sims.
1: Good evening, everyone. Are we ready to learn? Session 5, Strengthening Our Relationship with the Lord. There's our teacher, Dr. Tony Evans. And we're studying uh, the fourth chapter, starting with verse seventeen, going through the fifth chapter verse twelve tonight. Okay, here's let me make sure before I get to that. Okay, tonight what we're going to see is that as we get into this session that God has a special promise for his children, and that no matter what we face in this world, he's stronger than it all. and he, he really has given us the ultimate victory. So, with that in mind, have any of you ever been in a situation where you felt powerless, as if you had no control over your life or what was going to happen in the future? I, had, I was 19 when I broke my leg, uh, a very bad leg break. I broke my right leg six places. Most people go to the hospital and get a cast and come home. I was to the hospital, and when the doctors told me I was going to have to spend a week in the hospital, I cried. But at the same time, they were standing in the hall, and they told my parents it was going to be weeks and weeks. And every week, they would tell me another week, you know, another week. And I wasn't, I couldn't see the end of the tunnel. But um, I was in a room with no TV, traction in three directions, and the bed was on stilts to keep the traction from pulling me out of the bed. And if I read, I had to hold a book like this. And it just, you know, no, powerless, no control. But God is faithful. God is faithful. And, um, and I was away from him then, and he was still faithful to me. You know, they said that very rarely do that many breaks heal. They did. God healed me. Even had a doctor come in and I said, you know, put on these kooky cardboard glasses someone gave me and said, said to him, when are you getting me out of the hospital? And he turned to me and he said, young lady, he said, the only one who can heal you is God. All I can do is provide conditions conducive to healing. And I'm sure some of you have been in situations like that too, whether it's a bad divorce or health crisis or work crisis or things happen with your kids but God has a promise for us he has a promise and that's what we're going to see about tonight to overcome we are overcomers because of Jesus so let's look at the verses let's start with verse 17 of chapter 4 By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he, Jesus, is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says I love God and hates his brother he is a liar for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen verse 21 and this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God And whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And the testimony is this that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Let's go ahead and watch our video. (laughs)
0: the clarion call during the civil rights movement was we shall overcome other movements picked up that saying and that song as an affirmation that there was something afoot that needed to be overruled that was illegitimate well that's not merely a social construct that really comes from Scripture. In fact, the author of 1 John, when he wrote Saint John, the Apostle John, quoted Jesus' statement in John 16, when he said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The Greek word is nikeo, which means to uh, prevail over. Overcoming assumes something, It assumes that there's something you need to overcome something that's illegitimately holding you hostage holding you down owning you that should not be owning you and that's why first John chapter 5 is so critical because it says whoever believes in Jesus Christ is born of God we know this because of our love of the brethren and then he goes on to say who is he that overcomes the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God He uses the word overcoming a number of times in those opening verses to describe the fact that this world order does not have to have the last say-so in your life. You know, I don't know what you're going through and I don't know how long you've been going through it, but it doesn't have to have the final say-so. We've all seen uh, in a football game or a basketball game, we've seen somebody commit a foul. Uh, commit a penalty, something that's illegitimate, something that knocks a person down. And the referee has to come in and overrule the act with the call, blow the whistle, throw the flag. Doesn't allow that act of illegitimacy to have the last word. Well, that is precisely what God is saying in this chapter through the Apostle John. He's saying our fellowship with God as it increases Through our loving God, reflected in loving the brethren, something he says in chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, he says, this is the commandment. It's the commandment of love. And remember, loving God is passionately and righteously pursuing his glory and the advancement of his kingdom. Loving people is compassionately and righteously seeking the well-being of another. When those two loves are put side by side, our fellowship with God increases. And when that is combined with faith in Jesus Christ, he says that will propel you to being an overcomer. Whatever the devil or the world is putting in your life to hold you hostage no longer has to be the last say-so because Jesus will make you an overcomer. In fact, he says, this is what overcomes the world. And he calls it victory in verse 4. It is our faith that you can have victory over a system that wants to hold you hostage by a faith that loves. How does it work? Well you know in, uh, in the Olympics they have high jumping. That's where you're running as fast as you can You use as much power as you can to lift yourself about eight feet if you're an Olympian uh, over the pole with the goal of not knocking it down. So you propel yourself with your own effort in order to overcome the height that you're trying to elevate over. But a pole jumper is different than a high jumper. A high jumper is dependent only on their own capacity but not a pole jumper. A pole jumper has a pole, he places it in the pit, he leans on it to be propelled. A high jumper will give you 8 feet. A pole jumper will give you 18 feet. Uh, They can overcome a lot more because they're leaning on a lot more power. He says, what can overcome this world? It is the propelling person and." power of Jesus Christ and our relationship with him that grows because we're loving God and loving people applying God's truth to others in such a way that Jesus Christ is free to become our vaulter. He becomes our pole that we lean on who propels us higher than we could ever go on our own. You know, people make New Year's resolutions. They make promises. They mean to do well and they can get a certain height but they can't get to where they wanna go and become an overcomer because they're not leaning on on the faith that Jesus Christ utilizes to propel us higher than we could ever go on our own. That's why Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 is so critical. And again, that's the revelation of this same author, John, when he says, and they overcame him, speaking about the devil, they overcame him by the blood, the work of Jesus Christ, by their testimony and by the confession of their faith. You were meant to be an overcomer not an undercomer. (laughs) You're not meant to lose, you're meant to win. But that means that you're going to have to have something in your life that you have to overcome. There are going to be challenges. Don't let anybody tell you walking with Jesus Christ means your problems disappear. Sometimes walking with Jesus Christ means you haven't even seen the amount of problems you can face yet. But what it does mean is that you will have the privilege and the opportunity of seeing what it looks like when God becomes the overruler in your life. And when he does, he becomes more real to you than he ever was before. He says, and you'll get a witness, you'll get a testimony, you know. A testimony is where you can declare something to be so, because it is so, because you've experienced a victory over something in your life. He says you will be able to testify And you will be, you have a threefold witness, he says in verse seven. The Spirit and God and Jesus, that's the Trinitarian testimony. Because out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, things are confirmed. You get the whole kit and caboodle. The whole Trinity will join together to declare your victory for you. And he says, this is the testimony that Jesus is the Christ, down to verse 12. You were made to be a winner. But if you're made to be a winner, that's something you gotta win over. There's going to be attacks. There's going to be a world system that tries to oppress you and draw you away from God. It doesn't have to have the last say. oh, you are an overcomer. You know, a lot of people watch uh, professional wrestling. And when you watch professional wrestling, a lot of people don't know that these matches are already predetermined. It's already determined who the winner is. Before they ever enter the ring, we know who the winner is. But that doesn't mean they won't be in a fight. They're gonna be in a battle, but they're not in a battle for victory. They're in a battle from victory because it's already been declared who the victor is going to be. But they have to go through the process of the battle to be able to declare the victory. Jesus Christ has already proclaimed you are victor. You are the overcomer. He's going to let you go through the battle so that when he holds up your hand and declares you to be the victor, you've victoriously gone through the process, which is only confirmed what he said before you ever got in the ring. You're an overcomer. Know that, believe that, live that, and then testify when God holds up your hand and says, victory is yours.
1: I learn something every time I hear it. <laughs> I do, him each time. Okay, we're gonna review for just a little bit. And here's the question. Um, you know, we've been hearing John's father-like heart for believers all uh, through this book of 1 John, and chapter five is no different. So here's the question. What aspects of 1 John that we've studied so far have encouraged you or comforted you I'll put up some, I've sat down and went back through my notes, (laughs) so I I had that advantage. But here's a couple. You know, this is all about um, having the, you know, John said in the very beginning, we could have the same joy being in the presence of Jesus that they had being in his presence. We can have that same joy in our relationship today. And that was an encouragement to me, right? And and when we look at Jesus in the word, he's the exact repre- representation of God. Here was another one. This one really encouraged me. That God is light, that means he's a revealer. And so that means he's always going to be revealing the truth about our lives when we're in his presence. I'm free and you're free now to, I don't have to live without sin because we are all sinners, aren't we? And try hard as I can, I still sin. So so I don't have to live pretending I never sin. I just need to live honestly. Honestly before him and telling him and confessing. And that was such freedom to me. That really encouraged and comforted me. I hope it did some of you too. And he said in one of the the first lessons, our confession is a barometer of our relationship with God. So if you're As he shows you things, you're agreeing with him, you're closer to him. God promises forgiveness when we confess our sin. And he talked about that not being, you know, don't picture a confessional booth, this is a promise. When we confess and we're sincere and honest, I mean, he forgives us. And who's our advocate? Jesus. He paid for my sins, he paid for yours, and he's an advocate for us, praying for us right now all the time. And that should be, give us great encouragement. Here are a few more. We are family. We are God's children, and we're his family, brothers with Jesus. We're in different stages of maturity, aren't we? We learned that. And we were commended, no matter what stage you're in, whether you're a new believer or a father teaching, we, every stage was commended in John for their growing relationship with God. And that was an encouragement to me, no matter where we are. And we mentioned this great peace already, because the Holy Spirit resides within us, and we're anointed. And because he's within us, we can discern the truth, and he's growing us. And we're abiding in Jesus. This used to kind of almost torment me, because I'd sin or do something, and I thought, I'm not abiding in Jesus, <laughs> but... We are. It's like he resides in us. We're not separated from him. He's just shown me something I've done so I can confess it, he can remove it, and I can get closer to him. We're going to see him face to face. That was an encouragement to me. Did that encourage anyone else? And if our hearts condemn us, who's greater than our hearts that condemn us? God. God is. Here's the next question. Were there any parts that we've studied so far that have challenged you or left you with questions? Here's a few things I pulled out, unless someone else has something. Well, and some of these, uh, Dr. Evans put in the leader's guide. You know, day-to-day choices to lay down love for the world, we've we've been challenged to do that, haven't we? And that's a daily choice uh, to turn away from things that just to satisfy ourselves or to exalt ourselves rather to glorify the lord and to love him more and to uh, love his people more and th- that's a daily choice so that's a challenge that faces us every day here was another the, the challenge we've been hearing this over and over again to love believers and the next one was a question you might be wondering the difference between loving god's children and non-believers and please don't ask me because i don't have that figured out And here's this one there's constant if then statements you know that can lead us maybe believe god won't love us if we don't love first let me pull one here like be without sin or if you're sin you're of the devil i mean we kind of heard that said here but the point is we're his children and nothing can separate us from his love we belong to him and we need to remember that, that. These statements are said in that context, that we are all his children. Let's see if I had one more here. And just living each day actively expecting to see Jesus. I'm going to see him face to face. And that should affect what my expectations of the day are, how, what I choose to do and what I don't choose to do. So those were some challenges. Did any, any of you think of any others? Because I certainly don't have
2: the... The difference between loving God's children and non-believers, and I, you know, you said you don't have it figured out, and I'm not saying I do. Um, but just like my sister and I, we got the same family, the same bloodline. So, loving God's children should be different than loving a non-believer because of the bloodline, Christ, because we are in that family. The bond. My wife just said the bond. Yes, I agree. Thank you. Big help. All
1: right. Yes. Could you hear what uh, Rob said? Rod said we. There's the aspect of grace. God gives us grace to love unbelieving, unbelievers. So he, he was talking about that. And you have to really want to, he said, but God will do it. I hope you could hear Carrie because that was a good point. He talks about, he's talked all through this, the love for believers should be a love that we can see, not just a love that we say. It's, it's, she said, it's easy to say to someone, I love you. It might be harder to do the things that's required to, to love a family, like the family that just lost, you know, Jason Pritt's family. Could everyone hear Leanne? She said, and with a believer, you know that there's going to be love reciprocated back. But with an unbeliever, it might not be, because they've not we only, I only love because God loves, I mean, God puts that love in me, and I love others. The love I give of myself is not nearly the kind of love that he gives, so I agree, too. And Pastor mentioned that, you know, the the scripture talked about rejecting the, rejecting the beliefs of the the unbelieving person, but, and, and maybe their lifestyle, but you don't reject the person, you still share Christ, and you do all you can to love them into the kingdom. All right, next slide. Let me see here, okay. Catch up with here. Okay, the this uh, last chapter of 1 John is bringing up a concept that he introduced earlier, back in chapter 2, overcoming the world, um, so what did we point out about the importance of recognizing overcoming then? Do you remember how it's accomplished? He put it up, here's what was said back in chapter two. It's accomplished through Christ. Remember we talked about the, a brand new Christian, they have overcome Satan, they've overcome the world, and that should be a point of celebration, the new Christian because um, that was accomplished through Christ and they just fought their biggest battle when they came to Christ. And so even for new believers, I mean, we've all overcome, haven't we, to come to Christ? We are all overcomers just in receiving Christ. So that's what was pointed out back in chapter two. Now, in this session today, he unpacked the significance of John's um, emphasis on overcoming. So what did he point out about the world's power over us in the video? Does the world have power over us? Does it have the last say? No. It shouldn't have the last say. It doesn't have the last say. What has the last say? The Christ, doesn't it? The Word of God. The world does not have the last say in our lives. We, we might have all kinds of difficulties, but that difficulty does not have to be the last word. Does not have to be Christ and what the wo- God's word says is. It's, it's bigger than that. Okay. Um, here's, okay. You may or may not wanna share this. If you do, a time in your life where you felt you were trapped by the world, and how did you feel in the middle of it? God, God is faithful in those hard, difficult times like that. My time was when I, just before I came to Christ, I was really discouraged, despondent, disheartened. Um, never never uh, considered suicide or anything like that, but I was, I really didn't care if I lived or died. And God's faithful. He comes, he knows where you are, and, he, and I came to Christ soon after that. So he, he uses things in the world. He, he doesn't let circumstances be wasted. He'll use them to, for, his, for your benefit and his glory. Let's go on to the next one. How have you seen the power of God at work in your life to help you overcome the world? Have you, George gave us a testimony about that, power of God at work in his life to help them overcome that time when their son was special forces behind enemy lines and the fear of that. Anyone else want to share something? I think um, I'm a cancer survivor and when we first found out about, it's been years ago and I've been healed, it's been 20 years, but when we first found out about it, I, I mean, You're sitting there in the doctor's office and he says, Mrs. Sims, you have cancer. You, Unless you've been there, you don't know what. Those words pierce and the fear just drops. Um, I mean, immediately. But I came to a point where I just, I I said, okay, Lord, because it, it turned out it was stage one. I mean, it was, and they were able to get it all and everything, but we didn't know that in the beginning. We didn't know what the stage was. And I just finally came to a point, Lord, if you take me home, it's well. If I stay here, it's well. I'm going to trust you. And then the fear, the fear lifted. Just trust is faith, having faith in the Lord. And so that's how he helped me overcome that. And he helps others the same way.
2: There's been times in the 28 years of ministry where I've seen God work in such a way where, because the enemy was trying to destroy the ministry. And uh, you just, at the time, you couldn't see the end of the tunnel, as you mentioned earlier. But looking back, God was always there. His hand was all always upon us, and he allowed me and the board, he give us the wisdom to navigate through the storm. Amen. Yeah. Um, I will
1: say to you, I've read articles on cancer, um, and one person's article was said, um, don't waste the gift. And what they meant by that, I have to tell you, I've never felt closer to the Lord than at that time. So it was a time when I could really draw close to the Lord and I'm sure you're bored and you drew close to the Lord through that trial too. Those trials are gifts that you can press in to the Lord.
2: I had a guy one time tell me that during the storm, instead of saying, why me? Use me.
1: Amen. Thanks for sharing that. Could you, could everyone hear that? No. She says the seed, she's learned that the seed is planted in darkness, not out on a sidewalk, not on a rooftop, and it develops and grows during that dark time. She said more, but that's, (laughs) that much I can get accurately. All right. Let's look at this next one. Let's see where we are on time. Okay. He talked about this. I think he pronounced that "naio." This is the Greek word to overcome, to conquer. That means the victory and the conquering power of our overcoming is our faith. Is our faith? That's in the present tense. So that what, why that's important? Why the tense is important? Because that means we have the victory in the here and now it's not something that's happened and is over with and done it's ongoing overcoming and we belong to a new kingdom with a new standard that we devote our lives to in obedience okay our attitudes change about our sinfulness our ability to determine truth in the world and the object of our love, all of that changes in us. And it's made possible through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why we're overcomers. Okay, then who... Um, what did I do? Did I skip a page? Okay. Here's another question. Uh, this this is from 1 John 5 4 for whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith so what does John set up as the condition for overcoming the world our faith that's exactly right well being born of God and our faith is the, the vehicle for that and the victory is what's the victory There's our faith. Our faith is the victory, the condition. We're born of God, and because we're born of God, we have faith, and that faith is our victory, where we trust Jesus in the midst of the storm, and we trust what God's going to do, bring good out of it, somehow. Who then truly overcomes the world? We do, yep. Through the Holy Spirit. Well, God, through the Holy Spirit, made possible by Jesus, overcomes the world God in us okay and what part do we play in overcoming the world she talks about the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit which uh, is that testimony in our heart that he's with us all the time and so let me see here and she talked about repenting which is exactly what the answer is we allow God to change our attitudes our minds and our affections And that's the part we play. We work with the Holy Spirit. When he shows us something, we don't say, oh no, I didn't do that, that's, you know, no. If he's shown us something's wrong, we say we agree with him, we repent, and let him change us, change our affections and our desires, what we want to do. Okay, so here, uh, he talked about the high jumper and the pole jumper. Remember that? What did those two types of athletes represent? The high jumper represented what? Overcoming, overcoming in what? In our own power, that's exactly right. And the pole vaulter overcoming with help, leaning into the Holy Spirit or the Lord, God's power overcoming for us. So we can do, we can do some things in our strength, but it's, we're going to get so much further if we let the we lean into the Lord let him show us how to pray what to do like pastor said through those tough times how they the Lord walked them through um, sometimes when the enemy was trying to destroy this ministry okay what were the results of you trying to overcome the pressures of the world on your own anyone have any Were you very successful (laughs) Failure. Judy said failure. Frustration. Frustration. No peace. peace. Exactly. And I don't have answers for those, so you've got good answers there. I am unsuccessful, too. didn't get very far on my own strength with things. Um, No peace, frustration, all that they said. Can you describe a time where you leaned on God's power to deal with uh, the world? And... Let's see, that when you leaned into him and maybe when you didn't, we've talked about that. And how were the two experiences? The first, let's go back. Okay, here, trying to overcome the pressures on your own. And then a time when you leaned into God. Now, here's the question. How were the two experiences different? I think that's good. When you lean into God, you have confidence. When you're on your own, you're miserable. There's probably more answers to that, too but we'll go with that. Okay, let's look at First John 5, 6 to 12. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. It talks about the three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. The three are in agreement. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. And we know that, don't we? For the testimony of God is this, he's testified concerning his son. The one who believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him, God, a liar because he's not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in a son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. All right, what did John identify as the three witnesses proving that God, Jesus, gives eternal life? Spirit, water, and blood. Yep, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, exactly. So let's look a little bit about the water and the Spirit. This is Matthew 3.11. Uh, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Luke three sixteen. John answered and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, here's a question. Make sure here, Um, oh no, I've got another verse. Um, Acts 1 verses four and five, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now. So in these passages what particular event is in view? Of the holy yeah, the baptism the salvation and baptism of the believer exactly talking about those. So let's look at this one. What's the connection between the water and the spirit? Okay, we're baptized in water and then the spirit descends upon you. So and the spirit baptizes with fire. Yeah. And he, he, he just, he talked about um, the first thing that happens is the water baptism, believing in Jesus. The water baptism was the repentance. And I did, I did some research on some of the verses. I didn't put them up, so I'm not going to be talking about that tonight, but it was curious to me when Jesus talked to the disciples and he said to them, um, you are all clean. You've been washed by the word, but not all of you, meaning Judas. And so there's um, uh, the, a cleansing that comes by the word of God when you receive him. And that's why we're saved, because that word has washed us. And then we're uh, believers, and we are water baptized And there's a regeneration that occurs, too. Ezekiel talked about that. You know, he's going to give us a new heart and... Um, me see here. This was Ezekiel, what was prophesied. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put the spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. So he's talking about the new birth being born again, which water baptism um, shows that we've died to self and been risen with Christ. And then the spirit of God resides in us to help us do exactly, changes our heart, changes our desires, our direction, our affections, everything. But belief uh, symbolized by water baptism comes first before we're filled with the spirit. Okay, according to these verses, what does the water and spirit, markers of salvation, do for the believer? We become children, entrance into the kingdom. You're looking for a deeper answer. (laughs) It's a pretty simple answer. Have you ever been baptized? How many in here have been water baptized? Yeah. How did it affect your Christian life? A new beginning. It was for me too. A new beginning. And if not, if you haven't would you consider it because it does make a change it does make a difference okay we're almost to the end this was shorter tonight aren't you glad (laughs) okay oh there's a few more but not a lot more okay here's um, he's asked us to put ourselves in the shoes of John's original audience for just a moment The believers in John's day these are people who may have never seen Jesus they've only ever heard from the apostles about him the world that they're supposed to overcome hates them they hate that world hates God and it constantly threatens to overwhelm the believers in that situation they would want proof and we would want proof too wouldn't we strong proof that the redeemer we're trusting can come through with that in mind let's look at this verse 9 again if we receive the testimony of men the testimony of god is greater for the testimony of god is this that he has testified concerning his son what does john say about the testimony we've received the testimony God's given is greater than the one that men are saying, okay? The testimony God's given us is even greater than the one that we're receiving through the humans, the apostles that were standing before them. How is God's testimony manifested? God's testimony manifested? Well, you, you've sensed it inside. You sense it inside and then Jesus was resurrected You know, so there's that. Jesus uh, did appear to the apostles. So it says in here, the testimony, we're going to get to that. Um, uh, It was the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three agreed. But let's look at this, go on and look at this. Does that mean the testimony that we're receiving through the church is weak or pointless? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't at all. Because it just... God's validating what we've already seen by the water, the blood, and the spirit. That, that the Holy Spirit's within us. He's speaking to us. He's teaching us um, the word of God, what it says. We see it to be true. So there's, there's the testimony going on, and it's validated by the church too. Where is this testimony ultimately located? And in us, that's right, in the believer, that testimony, what the Lord is speaking, you, you know it here. You know it here. It's inside you. Could you hear that? At age nine, he actually felt the Holy Spirit, when he received Christ, just go through him. He knew it had been changed. How many of you are different now from before you were saved? That's a testimony. That's a testimony. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he changes us. You know, I've had people say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe he's real. And I thought, oh my, if you could feel what I feel, you wouldn't doubt. You would not doubt. Okay, why would disbelieving God mean we're making him out to be a liar? Say again. God, God cannot lie, that's right. He said it, hasn't he? Um, God has borne witness to Jesus' power through his blood. He died and he, and he was re- resurrected. He does not lie. So if, if you don't believe him, you're saying he's a liar. He does not lie. It's impossible for God to lie. He cannot lie. so what does this mean then for the dependability of jesus in overcoming the world can we depend on jesus yes we can i've got to catch up here way behind okay and i don't have answers yet yes Um, jesus said these things i have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace in the world you have tribulation but take courage i have overcome the world he has overcome we can depend on him and he's going to give us great peace um in the midst of storms okay describe a time when you have doubted god's ability to come through for you and what led you to feel like god couldn't deliver on his promise anyone want to share we had a time um lord let us i don't know if jim would want to share we might have shared it before when we went to buy our property and Jim got it. I was, I was not working. We had his salary. We didn't have any extra money. And we bought 62 acres, or we told them we wanted to buy it, had 51 heirs. And the only place we could get a loan was farm production credit. And what percentage down payment did they require, Jim? 30. 30%. We had no savings. We prayed about it and thought we were to tell them yes. We wanted the property. So Jim told the lawyers yes, and they started. It took three years for them to get the paperwork in order. During that time, I'd have a peace for a time, and then my world, i just, all of a sudden I'd lose it all. And I'd go before the Lord and I'd pray, and He'd give me a peace. Why, why didn't I feel God could deliver on His promise? We, had, we still had no money. <laughs> We're supposed to have a 30% down payment, and we're gone one year, two years, three years, and how much did we have saved? Zero. And and I would, I mean, I'd get a piece, but it, it wasn't, a piece, it's a piece that passes understanding. There should be no piece when you're going, it's supposed to give 30% down payment on property and you don't have any money. They called and jim went in we still had no money saved during that three years uh it had, the deed had gone to greenland uh someone had died there were three more heirs. one was an incompetent they had gone to court i mean they'd done all kinds of things still no money we went in the value of the property had doubled the price of the land was locked in no down payment needed no wonder he was giving me a piece that I couldn't understand. <laughs> you said, <laughs> Rod says God's, that's happened to him many times and what God is doing is building your faith in him. Okay. I already told you what my attitude looked like in the middle. <laughs> it was a roller coaster. I'd be fine, and then ah, and then I'm oh, okay. No, crying out to him, Oliver. Okay, now think about an instance where God showed Himself utterly dependable. Were you expecting Him to come through? Why or why not? I, I share that. Does anyone else want to share one? Did I get that in there twice? I think I did. I did. Oh well. What is the promise that God has given us through Jesus? Yeah, it's eternal life. And here we go. Um, in this here, First John, the last two verses, um, it says here in the Leader's Guide, John anticip- is anticipated some pushback when he writes these verses. Does the one who believes in Jesus truly overcome can jesus be the one to catapult us to victory Um, and he goes on to say the world and all of its lies including the father of lies satan they threaten to break our relationship with god constantly but god has overcome through jesus and he's given us the proof of the victory so that's why these last two verses are in there because of that pushback john expects so given what you know or might guess about John's original audience in their lives, why would the promise be so filled with hope? Why would that promise be so filled with hope? Jesus' message, is all about hope. It is all about hope. Oh, death, where's your victory? You know, they're thinking they're going to be killed any day. Israel was overrun with the Romans. Jesus had been crucified. They were being persecuted. Think of Paul, Saul was his name then. He was gone house to house, dragging them out. He was a zealot, taking them, uh, killing them or dragging them off to prison. And they learned they have the promise of eternal life through Jesus. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It gave gave them huge hope, because Jesus had been resurrected. They were going to see him again, and they were going to be resurrected, too. So, we're about there. Um... What are you facing this week that you need the strength of God for? Pardon me? Stay focusing on Him. How can we help each other? How can we show the Pruitt family love? How can we strengthen one another? And whom can we offer hope of love and eternal life to this week? people all around us aren't they that we can share that the hope that we have in jesus and this is the end of the lesson there's the last words on your paper no one's life is completely easy even of those living in the wealthiest country of the world um we can ch- attend church anywhere we want we're going to face some hardships too but we're given the witness of his spirit and his word and we can trust him no matter what the world tempts us with or puts in our way, God is gonna catapult us to victory. So cling to that promise. And here's ways to live it out. And this is the verse for this week that they are recommending. We recommend uh, memorize these things I've written to you believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life.
0: Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast.